And finally, it is here. The official Western Conference podcast. I know people have been waiting for this to come about. My brother, what's up? How you doing, bro? I'm chilling, man. Good to be here. See, come on. This is the first time in a long time that we we normally get up together on stage. But yeah. now we're here, the official episode one of the Western Conference podcast. New venture, baby. Let's go. And when I say new venture, you guys already know me. I've been in this realm for a minute, but it's definitely good to kind of get into a nice home studio. Shout out Sticky Paw Studios. But we're here to give you the first Western Conference podcast because we're already on stage. Yeah. We already do stuff with the artists, but now it's that time to give you entrepreneurs, uh, athletes, you know, fighters, and you know, people that we have resources to, and just people that we don't, because we got to find out without being on stage what they're all about, right, Wes? Yes, sir. So, because you coming from Los Angeles, so people want to know where the Western Conference name comes from. I'll let you give you the first part of it, out, and I'll finish that out. Where did Western Conference come from, Wes? Well, I mean, I would like to say now. Uh, Western Conference basically represents the West Coast. Uh, you represent the Bay. I represent L.A. and, you know, Hawaii. And don't get us wrong. We still got love for the East Coast and everybody across the world. We just happen to be from the West. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, you being from Southern California, myself being from Northern California, Western Conference is synonymous with what we do. Synonymous. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about it one time and I was like, my name is Westafa, your name is Cisco. It goes deep. If it goes should, deep. Yeah, you know, this is like one of them smoking weed moments. Yeah. So it goes deep. Western Conference, if you put it together and shorten it, Westco. Yeah. That's like West, West and Cisco. Everyone's still scratching their head at this point. But you also got to look at what the element is. Western Conference, for those who don't know, is the Western Conference of the NBA. Yep. That's all the West Coast teams from Golden State Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers. And that kind of just kind of, when we do shows, it kind of made sense that you being from LA and me being from San Francisco, we represented the West. And yeah. when we're with Jay Boog and we're with, you know, Common Kings and all these artists that we do these festivals with, we used to do a West Coast set. And we would, especially on the West Coast, of course, you're going to get that back and forth with the crowd because yeah. we're representing the West. Yep. But we don't want it to turn into an East Coast, West Coast battle. Nah. Yeah. Nah. I mean, you know, it just kind of came about naturally. You know what I mean? Like just doing shows with you. Yeah. And, um. Because that's what people don't know. Like, the shows that we did do, you were doing your own shows. Yep. Uh, but, but give everybody a little bit of background for those who don't know who Westafa is. Um, well, I'm me. I mean, just a, a selected DJ from, from L.A. Um, and, and Hawaii also. And um, just somebody that tries to do things a little bit different than the average, you know. And um, when you say DJing, how long ago did you start DJing? Man, I started DJing um, like right out of high school, about 15, 20 years ago. Um, now, did you start off with the, the 1200s and the whole thing? Or what, yep. what was your first piece of equipment? Well, so, you know, it's funny. Like, people ask me how did I get involved in it. And uh, my, one of my best friends growing up, yeah, his neighbor was older than us, and he was a DJ. Him and his brother had a group, a rap group. He was the DJ. His brother was the rapper. So we'd come home and I'd go kick it at his house. Yeah. And my the, the big homie was in his garage just DJing. So we'd go over there and kick it. He'd be smoking. And yeah. We'd, I just would sit there and like, dang, this shit's pretty tight. You and kind of see mean? what he was doing on the on turntables. Yeah, like it was pretty dope. And I mean, I, I knew of DJing just from hearing it on records, AWA yeah. and stuff like that. But um, And this was the era of vinyl. So you're, you're yeah. 
getting this all when vinyl was out, when he was yep. doing the vinyl records. Yep. We didn't have no Serato back then. Nah, it was, I mean, it was, and you know, living in LA, you would, we'd had like spots that we could go to that were um, underage clubs. Yeah. So it was a little bit They were like the 18 and under clubs? Yeah, yeah, but it was a little bit after that time. So this is an elementary school. You Got know? it. Come home, go to the homie's house. The homie would be DJing. And I was like, man, it's pretty tight. And uh, I remember going to like music stores and seeing a DJ setup. And yeah. I'd always be drawn to it. Like, man, this is pretty tight. So then fast forward after high school, uh, I ended up getting a DJ setup um, and would just be like, just, and my homies were into it. Who too. got you the first setup? What did you my have? My brother helped me got get it. it. My brother helped me get it. Because um, you always remember who the first person was to get you your yeah. actual equipment. My you know brother what I mean? had to basically co sign. Um, the to help me finance it yeah you know so. well hold on you financed the dj stuff yeah okay because, so it was that expensive back then yeah it was like i want to say it was probably like 2500 yeah you know and i didn't have that kind of money so my brother helped me out and yeah so just got got going from there and then like it was kind of like like skateboarding or yeah. you know what i'm saying like riding a bike or bmxing or whatever it was like something that my homies were into too yeah. you know what i'm saying so they a couple of the homies had got a little setup i had my setup and yeah, we and that's normally how it starts. Like you, your friends, kind of you guys all get into the same thing. Oh, you're DJing. Your friends DJing. Sports, same yeah. thing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it, it was kind of like my homies. You know, we were all into it. And then I actually, I want to say I was one like one of the first ones to get yeah. it. Um. So anyhow, yeah. From there, just um, it moved to like just just doing parties. We do house parties and stuff, our own little parties, and then. And you guys were throwing these parties. Yeah, it would just be like somebody's having a party. All right, cool. Yeah. We'll bring the DJ set up, you know. Yeah. And um, and man, I remember uh, this one homie we did a party for. He used to do a club in Huntington yeah. Beach, and he was like, "Yo, can you come DJ the?" Um, and that the was club? the goal at that time. At that time, at that point in time, that was like if you're doing these house parties, the goal is to oh, get yeah. to a club. Yeah, just get to get to a gig and a gig that we paying something, you know. Yeah. And um. It's funny because I went to do the gig and I was like, I don't know, I would say I was 17 or 18. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, if you're not 21, you can't do the thing. Oh, so this is a 21 and over club that he yeah, was having. Okay. 21 and over club. So I was like, well, all right. And they said, well, just do your set. And then as soon as you're done, you got to leave. Like at that age and at that time, are you like, man, I don't know what to play? Because you kind of know what your genre is. Man, at that time. I'm going to tell you right now. What was your genre, though? It was hip hop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was a hip hop head and um, like, pfft. That that sh that set was shitty as you know what I mean. Like <laughs> I, I can think back on it to it right now. I'm yeah. Like yo, I, well, you're, I mean, you got to give yourself. You're nervous at that point in time. Yeah. You're a I, youngster. Yeah, I mean, I had my idea of what I liked. Yeah. But I didn't have the understanding of like, yo, you're in a club. You yeah. got to play music for everybody. Exactly. You know? And it kind of took me a while to realize like, yo, if you want to do this as a business, you have to understand. You either have a lane, yeah. or you know what I'm saying, like you got to get in where you fit in. So, so that that didn't discourage you when you had that first shitty set, right? Nah, it kind of like say, okay, now I kind of know what to play next time. I mean, it wasn't like it was that, that spot wasn't a crazy like cracking club where yeah. it was super packed. You yeah. know what I mean? It was, it was whatever, but um, it was it was a good learning experience, you know. And I, well, when you when you talk about DJing, people don't know once you get in front of a crowd. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Like once you get the crowd and you kind of think you know what you're going to play. Like we do that today. We see these crowds like at Cali Roots. We do Cali Roots. And you look onto the crowd. There's tens of thousands of people out there. But you got everybody from white, Mexican, black, from every kind of background that you're kind of like, okay, I was going to play this type of music. Then you got to open up your whole system to see what you're going to play for those people, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely learned that, um, you know, as time went on is just how to read a room. Yeah. And, um, 
how to you know adjust. Say it again, Wes. You read gotta, the room. Yeah, you got to read the room, man. Because you know, um, if you're not playing, if you're just playing for yourself, then it's like you could just do that at home. You well, know? see, I, I take that back. Now that I'm a little bit older, now like yeah, when I was younger and I was DJing. I wanted to like play for everybody. Now that I'm older, I don't give a shit. I'm just like, I'm going to play what I play yeah. now. And if you don't like it, you can get the fuck. That's just me. That's not everybody. But I'm saying because I've, I've gotten that record to kind of say, okay, I've did all these parties and kind of did the requests. Now I'm like, no requests for me. I don't, don't ask me what song you want to hear. If you don't like what I'm playing, then it's probably my, I'm the asshole DJ. Is that what the asshole is? Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> you're that guy that, uh, you know, is going to, is going to make the room leave. Yeah. It, it Which, is. But I mean, you know, it's everyone has their own style and how they want to yeah. do their thing, you know. Um, but like, I don't know. I just it was just it was a learning experience to learn that because at one point I was like that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Where I would just play like what I wanted to play. Now were you just doing blends back then or you were doing like the whole turntablisms and the scratches and the loops and the breaks? Well, I mean, no, I was I was definitely into like turntablism. You know, yeah. I came up in, in the hip hop era and um that was my first experience with DJing was, yeah. was playing hip hop. So, um, and you know, at that time, DJing was big. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like where I come from, same with you. It was you. a pinnacle, yeah. You know, it was like crews, hip hop crews, exactly. DJ Yeah, like crews. triple threat DJs. Yeah, you know, everybody. Scratch pickles, right. beat okay. junkies, yep. you know. So, you know, I was fortunate to be around that environment and see that type of DJing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was... I wasn't at that level, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I would, wasn't really trying to be at that level. Well, that's what I'm saying. Did you, did, you, did you see yourself being on that level of turntablism? No, no. I was. I mean, it was. I liked basically just cutting, you know, here and yeah. there and stuff like that. But it was never my thing to, like, because competitions were big at yeah. that time. ITF? Yeah. You had all the international yeah. turntables? Yeah, scratch battles and yeah. all that stuff. I was never, like, trying to do it to that level. I just wanted to rock a party. And know? not that, like you were talking about earlier, to this day, like, shortcutting everybody that came from these DJ crews, I grew up in that time too, so yeah. my story is a little bit different. Like we're going, we're kind of introducing you guys to who me and Westoff are, and how we got involved with music. Him getting his DJ stuff, I was the the guy who loved music, mm-hmm. but didn't have the DJ equipment. Yeah, you know, and I, I couldn't afford it. And I would see, you know, I would see Shortcut and everybody, you know, doing mix. I was like, well, how much are turntables? Yeah. And at that time, we couldn't afford it as a family. Yeah. So my my DJing was recording songs off the radio with the with the cassette tape yep. and kind of mixing it that way. Yeah. And people were like, that's not DJing. Yeah. But I was such a music lover mm-hmm. that it was like that's how I did my thing. And then when I finally got old enough to buy my own stuff, then I started to say, okay. But by that time, I was like, okay. Maybe I passed the turntablism phase yeah. of, you know, the cutting and the scratching because I was like, let Shortcut and all them do that now. I was just <laughs> Shout more out of a, to Shortcut, Yeah, man. shout out Shortcut. Shout out all the DJs out there, man. Mixmaster Mike, a lot of these legends who've been doing it with, you know, Beastie Boys and, you know, Cypress Hill. So shout out to them. But when they come to what we do, we're more of a party type thing because I'm a more of a party DJ where I, I know what song I want to play to get this particular crowd hype. And I think that's where me and you came into bed to be. Well, you know, and, and like I feel like it was a, a certain time period where that was um that was the thing. Yeah. You know? Um now it's like I mean, I don't know. Now it feels like people don't want to stand there and watch somebody just cut it up for a whole hour. Yeah, no disrespect know? to the DJ that's doing that, but I think partying these days But you gotta be able to you know what I mean, find yes. that balance to be able to mix it, you know what I'm saying? Cause some dudes that are that are just scratched DJs, they can't really rock a party. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because but, they're so technical in what they yeah, do. Yeah, but you know, not to take nothing away from them, but you know, is to me I always felt like me personally, I felt like the dopest DJs were the ones that could cut it up but then also And still rock the party. Rock a party. And know? that takes me to like where I grew up with my emotion and a lot of DJs from the Bay Area that I partied with. I yeah. would see them 
do this mm-hmm. and how I got into my MCing where I couldn't afford the DJ equipment. So I was like, what's the next thing? Yeah. So I seen the microphone next to the DJ. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so how do you kind of like rock a party? You know, we, we come from the days of Kid Capri and seeing them do the same thing on the mic and kind of just saying, okay, if the DJ is busy doing that, maybe I could be the voice of the mm. DJ. So, and then it, go, it takes me back to Hawaii where uh, B-Cat, shout out my brother B-Cat, he went to a party and a DJ was uh, mixing. He was on the mic. He's not a DJ or nothing. He knows music. Yeah. A lot of people that are out there trying to get on the mic when you do go to these clubs, make sure you know music. <laughs> because I think that's a key with all these people that are going there. Because B-Cat actually controlled the crowd with the mic. And well, he knew all the breaks, you know, when the song. And that kind of like was like inspiring to me to be, okay, I want to do that. Yeah. I may not be able to do the whole Kid Capri DJing thing and all that, but I know the music and I know I can do that. Yeah. So ever since that day, I went back home from Hawaii and would just... You know, whether they liked it or not, I hopped up next to the DJ. I was like, oh, let me get the mic. You know, a lot of DJs don't like people getting on the mic. Yeah. That's like the biggest thing. Like, oh, man, turn this dude's mic off. But a lot of the DJs that I did it with, they were like, okay, Cisco kind of knows his shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then he kind of knows the breaks of the song. He kind of knows how these people are feeling. So I did it with DJ Quick. Like, every big DJ that came to the Bay Area, I made sure I was there. Mm-hmm. And whether they liked it or not, I was on the mic. Like, I did it. And they were like, oh, just let Cisco get on the mic. And then people were like, oh, how much do you charge to do that? Then I was like, okay, light bulb. Yep. I could get paid to do this. Yeah. So clubs were saying, hey, you know, we got this DJ coming to town. We want you to do the mic. How much do you charge? So I was like, hosting, oh, just give me a couple. Yeah, hosting. Yeah. And, you know, when you were a host back there in, in the club days, you were just hosting by giving out flyers and kind of doing your part. Mine was actual hosting. Mine was like the epitome of master of ceremonies, like yeah. you and the mic and talking to people and what the reaction was going to be. Yeah. So that, that that's kind of, kind of catapulted me into the industry well, they say, okay, Cisco's the dude that can get down on the mic. Mm-hmm. So at every party I did, the promoter would say, how much do you charge? And, you know, at that time, I didn't have no managers or, you know, booking agents at that time. So I was just like, oh, well, you know what? Email, that's what emails were coming out to. Email this, it was Big Body Cisco's manager at Yahoo. But yeah. it was really just going to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it was because to kind of give them. You got to play the role, man. You got to play the role. You got to yeah. take it till you make it somehow. Yeah. But I was telling them, you know, oh. You know, email us here at Big Body Cisco's manager at Yahoo, and we'll tell you the pricing. And mm-hmm. I would actually get the email, hey, we want to hire Cisco for this thing. So I'm talking in third person yep. through my emails. So I'm like, oh, you know what? We'll do it for $500 plus a bottle of such and such. That's that Bay Area game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's that independent those, hustle right there. You guys if you don't guys know. don't know, that's the independent hustle. I'm giving you guys some real good nuggets, yeah. especially come from us two, because we've been through this game where we didn't seen it all. We didn't yeah. seen the bad, the good, and the ugly. Yep. Where, you know, there's these promoters that, man, we didn't do too well tonight. Uh, that that, that sounds like a you problem to me. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. definitely sounds like a you problem because if you can't pay your artist, your DJ, whoever contributed that night, that shouldn't be on you to say, oh, we had a slow night. That's not on me. That's what I always kind of thought about it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the highs and lows of it, you know. And you guys are definitely going to go through highs and lows, and that's why I like kind of having this pilot episode of our Western Conference podcast to kind of show you guys what we came from. We did all the stuff that you guys, you know, are talking about now, the newer DJs. We've been through that trouble and that give and take with promoters and booking agents and artists and people that don't respect because what we do now, which is a show, Western Conference, is still not respected that I think that people don't really give too much kudos to because, you know, they always always have my cousin introduce the act, or if they have a festival or things like, man, who could bring out the next artist? This is an art. We made this an art where it's like people will pay us top dollar to do what we do. You know, we get the crowd going first. We kind of set them up for these artists. Like, well, how would you describe what we do for these artists that, that are coming to these festivals? 
Well, festivals, I mean, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but touring and stuff, concerts, uh, it's basically just like the alley you know yeah. what I'm saying? You you setting them up and sometimes whether the headliner likes it or not, they gotta they gotta match the energy. The energy. You know? Tell and, them uh, that. Come on, Wes. I mean, that's what it is, you know? And, and not to take anything from any headliners that we have worked with before, but if you know what kind of show you're gonna get with me and Wastafa, and you kind of come down, and what did we say before? The energy was high. <laughs> but when they came yeah. out, the energy was low. Yeah. But it's, and it's not a bad thing. It's just I think you got to keep up with us. And how we became about is you were doing your thing. I was doing my thing. And um, uh, my manager at the time, Brandon, he was like saying, you know, you and Westafa have a good rapport together. Yeah. You know your music. I know my music. And kind of, I, I, I think I did a few shows that you were DJing. Yeah. And I kind of hopped on the yeah, mic. Yeah, it was a good handful of shows. Yeah. Um, and Before it, we even did Western Coverage, yeah. it was a good handful of shows. Yeah, it was just a natural progression, you know, like you basically what we do now. Yeah. But, you know, it was back then. And um, you having worked with other DJs, me having worked with other MCs. And uh, yeah, when you came with the idea, you and Brandon, I was, I was with it, man. And that was like that's so hard to find somebody that's gonna match your vibe. Yeah. And I think that's where we came from, where you know, Wes being from LA and me being from San Francisco. And we always have this joke. Hey, go ahead, go Cisco's ahead. Wes. really from LA, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if you guys didn't know, he reps the Bay Area, but he's really from Look, from we're gonna Long give you Beach. I'm gonna give you a quick story. we lived in Long Beach. So we lived in Long Beach, California, and you know, in Southern California at the time. But I was born in the Bay. But when we were living in Long Beach, you know, this is when the gangs were big, you know, the SOS and the Crips and the Bloods and me and my brothers were about to get jumped into a gang, and my dad was like, we're moving to the Bay. So, you know, it's not like I take anything away from Long Beach or, or Southern there California. There you have it, folks. But <laughs> on the record. <laughs> you want to say where you're from, where you grew up at as far as, you know, I, I was still goo goo gaga back then. I was still barely starting elementary school. Well, I mean, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> he does that all the time because when I do a Bay Area set, Wes will be like, ah, right, you, you guys do know he's from, he's from Long Beach, right? But in all in all, it's a California love thing, right? California love, yes, sir. Uh, you hear Western Conference Podcast, me, your boy, Big Body Cisco, my brother, Westafa. So, look, I'm going to start asking you some questions. All right, let's get it. What are some artists that you've already worked with? Because, you know, we don't want to name drop before you guys to realize what we do and how we do it. You got to let them know who you've worked with in your past and what we've, we've done. Um. Well, I mean, so, you know, going back to when I first started DJing, yeah. um, I, I went from just being in the bedroom like a lot of DJs and then, you know, transitioned into doing some clubs and events. Mm -hmm. And then I had um, some homies that um, I met through the through the like the local hip hop scene, underground hip hop scene that they they had a group and yeah. they needed me to DJ for, or they asked me to DJ for them. So I was like, cool, you know, so that's another element of DJing is live show, yeah. you know, um, you know, being the DJ, being the DJ for group. the group. Yeah. Yeah. So it was um it was some homies from Orange County. It was a crew called the Youth International Party. Um, Got it. And yeah, from there transitioned into um well, so okay, let me let me backtrack. Yeah. So in this time I was doing hip hop and then I remember I, like when I would DJ some sets, I would just throw reggae into it cuz yeah. you know, our background Got it. we always listen to reggae, so I would just play some reggae here and there, and then I noticed the energy would change, you know? The whole vibe would change. The vibe would yeah. change to where, like, you know, the hip-hop scene is, like, it's really masculine-driven. It's almost like know? a breath of fresh air when you drop a reggae record yeah, with a hip-hop so, crowd. Yeah, so, like, it would be more like dudes, like, circles, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hip-hop dancers and circles, and so the girls would always be, like, on the sidelines, you know? Yeah. Then you drop a reggae song, and all the girls want to dance. So exactly. I was like, oh, okay, hold on, man. This You're like, so this is going to get the ladies going. Yeah, this yeah. is a whole different vibe. So I kind of started, like, playing more reggae, yeah. you know? And then um, 
then I had a homie that was uh, that I met, um, who was from the Beat Junkies. Got it. Um, that he was kind of more transitioning to reggae also. Yeah. So he wanted to um, have like, you know, in reggae it's, it's sound systems. You yeah. Know, the DJs and that's kind of like what we do. Got you it. Know what I'm saying. Um, so from there, I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna just. Shout out the Beat Junkies, by the way, too. Shout out the Beat Junkies, man. OGs from the LA area yeah. um, and the legends, Bay. Um, absolutely. But yeah, so it was like, you know what, man? I I I, I like the reggae vibe, you know. Yeah. And so I started doing that more, and then uh, making mixtapes, you know, make I make hip hop mixtapes too, but you know, reggae mixtapes, and then um, that transitioned me into kind of like, you know, what? Let me focus on that. You yeah. Know? And um. So you kind of picked up the reggae part by seeing that in the transition, what you were making from hip hop. Yep. Yeah. Just from like liking the vibe myself and yeah. then just seeing a different vibe in the party. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and it being about including everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you go to a hip hop show and it's about a DJ, most times they're just standing there watching the DJ. Got it. You know, but if you kind of wanted them to kind of have a good time, just yeah, just yeah. party and you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you and your girl or if it's a bunch of girls, they can dance and feel included in yeah. whatever's going on. So. That happened, and then um, so I just started focusing more on on doing like you know basically including reggae into my sets. Got and it. Then, um, so yeah, so from there I ended up moving to Hawaii, and um, fast forwarding, I moved to Hawaii in um, 2008. Yeah. And from there I had met Book. Shout out our brother Jay Book. Yeah, brother Jay Book. Grammy nominated um, island reggae artist. But it's funny. So there's a backstory be behind that too. So uh, I make these mixtapes and I sell them at different shops Got around it. town. And uh, in uh, Hawaii? No, in, in LA. Oh, in LA. Okay. Yeah, in LA. Before I went, I mean, I would go to Hawaii and I would sell them at like the swap meet. I would yeah. meet up with a dude. He would buy some off me. Um, and you were doing this in LA as well. I was doing it in LA. Basically, yeah. that was my hustle. You Got know it. What I'm saying? Was just slanging CDs, mix CDs, and uh, I don't know if it was Bug himself or somebody in his family that had picked up. Some of One my of mixes. Oh, nice. Know? And and so when I went to this shop in Long Beach to go basically re-up or whatever, yeah. you know, the dude was like, my homie Zeke, shout out Zeke. He was like, yo, um, this dude Jay Boog wanna um link up with you and he wants to do something with you, you yeah. know. And I was like, I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm about ready to leave town. And he know? wasn't big at the time. He he had he had his first album out. Okay, got it. He had the Hear Me Roar album. He had the Hear Me Roar. So he showed me the album and I kinda I had heard a book, but I yeah. wasn't really up on him like that, you know? Got it. Um because I was more into like the music from Jamaica. And that came about because he was from Compton. So that's always in the same area as LA. Yeah, it's, so, okay. it's like pretty much, you know, Book went to Paramount High School. This this shop is like on the border of Paramount yeah. and, and Long Beach. So So all the music lovers went to that shop to get their mixed CDs and all that. Yeah, you know, and especially like it's right, you know, it's a lot of like Islanders in that area, you know what I'm saying? So some people know about the shop, some people don't, but um, it was it was a fixture in the area, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You would go there to get your, like, whatever, you know, rustic gear, mixtapes, and so... All the bootleg shit, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they had the bootleg All the machine, bootleggers was out there, too. Bootleg machine in the back, yeah. you know? I burned a couple of CDs on there exactly. myself, you know, but... So, yeah, anyhow, Boog wanted to link up. I, we didn't get the chance, and yeah. then I moved to Hawaii, but he was already out there as well. In he Hawaii? Was, yeah, he was going back Got and it. forth because he recorded his first album out there. So then I ended up running into him at a show, yeah. and it was just like, yo. Just randomly? Up? Yeah, it was it was a show, and it was just like, yo, what's up? I know who he was. You know, it was basically one of the things like, oh, what's Mutual, up? You know? mutual yeah. respect, yeah. And then uh, we didn't really talk, and then um, I ended up doing a party for this company, Fitted, in yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, Fitted Hawaii. Fitted Hawaii, and uh, it was... Um, a party that Boog was coming to perform at also. Got it. So he was one of the artists and you were DJing for yeah, that. Yeah, but it was just like a small party at Alamoana Beach Park. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't nothing crazy. It was just, like, it was a party and um, 
I was DJing, Boog got there, he did his thing. We started chopping it up after. Yeah. You know, and he was like, yo, I might want you to come on the road with me. Oh, nice. Bro, just hit me up. Yeah. So, yeah, that led to us going on tour. Um, back when he went overseas to New Zealand and Australia, and got he didn't it. have a band to take at the time. Oh, so you were just going with him playing the tracks? Yep. So, Sheesh. like I said, you know, that's another element of it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? If you can DJ for an artist, yeah. it's another element of, you know what I'm saying? Of, Add into your resume. And they just kind of say, well, what you can do this, but you can DJ for an artist yeah. on tour with a track a, it's show. Just, it's just another outlet, you know, for DJing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, it's like, you know, and it really you don't get that with reggae artists because yeah. they ma mainly travel with a band. So Got it. Um, did that, went on the road with him, and the rest is history. You know what I'm saying? That's my brother, our brother, you know? Shout out Bug, because we're going to have him on the show uh, a few times before that. But tell us how that segued into you hooking up with Damian Marley. Well, so actually, the thing with Damien um, happened before that. Oh, before the book thing. Yeah, it Got happened it. before Tell that. Tell us about so, that. Um, just by being a DJ in L.A., a reggae DJ, yeah. um, Damien's manager, his name is Dan Dalton. Shout, Shout out, Dan. Dan. What up, D? Um, Rock Nation in yeah. the building. Yeah, so he um, he managed uh, a hip-hop group called Jurassic 5. Got it, yeah. Jurassic, that's legendary right Underground hip-hop. Um, Shout out Charlie Tuna. Yep, the whole crew, DJ Newmark, Cut Chemist. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, he um, he ended up managing Damien. Got it. And so because he comes from both worlds, right? So he would grab um, my homie DJ What at the time, um, and and me. Yeah. We we started doing some gigs, opening for Damien, um, if he had shows in L.A. or just the L.A. Yeah. area, Southern California area. Now at this point in time, is Damien out there like that? Like is he a, a known fixture in the reggae community? I mean, of course he's a Marley. But I'm saying this is like welcome to Jamrock days, or this is pre. Yeah, welcome this is to Jam Rock. this is pretty much like right at the height of of welcome to Jamrock, the album dropping, yeah. and um, him doing like shows around town in L.A. and um, yeah, just kept the link with him from there. Um, but Dan Dalton is a big you know reason yeah. why that that link happened. Because if you guys don't know what Stafa by now, what Stafa has dreads that go all the way down to his Achilles. <laughs> they're, so, they're, they're they're extensions, man. Yeah. <laughs> but you've obviously you've been mistaken for Damien numerous times. Yep. Yeah. And I and I and I've caught it firsthand because we'd be out and they'd be like, I think that's Damien Marley. You, you know, it's funny. I'm gonna say this. Damien actually got mistaken for me one time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell My us homie, about that. They, he was at Dub Club in L.A. It's a spot, the reggae club every Wednesday. Shout yeah. out Dub Club. And um, one of my homies that I like, you know, came up with. He went there and thought that was me. Yeah. So he went up. And he's like, Yo, what's up? He's like, Oh man, I thought you were Stafa. And Damien looked at him like, yo, what's Stafa? <laughs> so that's a funny story, man. I'm sure that was the probably. But maybe. that's dope, though. I mean, people everywhere we go, people ask you about these dreads. Well, how long did they, they're about what? Because how tall are you? I'm about 5'10". And then your dreads are about? Probably five, five, six ten? feet. So, yeah. <laughs> If you guys seen Westoffa's dreads, you see these things. It's time for a little trim, man. You see how he has it, like, like you carry it with you, show everybody yeah, to see. Yeah, so yeah. you guys thought it was just somebody in his lap. Those are actually his dreads it's right not, there. It's not a pet dog, man. This is my hair right here. And normally when we go on tour, he wraps himself up. If we don't have no blankets or something, he'll wrap himself <laughs> up in those dreads. Multi-purpose, man. It's a yeah, pillow, it's a blanket, whatever I need it to be. <laughs> but doing with Boog, I mean, going with Boog on tour and, you know, messing with Damian Marley, like, what are some artists that you haven't yet worked with that you would say you know i would love to go on tour with them dead or alive oh dead or alive um i mean shoot bob marley that's that's yeah. number one you know um, do you think bob would accept having a dj you know he was so into the instrumentation of everything that was going on um i just well, figured when you say somebody like bob marley where they would be like oh i don't believe in dj's mom 
That no, I mean, Marley like, like <laughs> don't ever do that. Again, yeah, bro. please. Sorry. But no, I mean, like, so actually we work with Steven also. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like it would be the same thing. You know, yeah. um, Bob was, I think, somebody who was ahead of his time and somebody that was a visionary. Got it. And, and you know, basically somebody that could foresee like things, you know. So if he was here in the present day, yeah. I'm sure he would be up on it the same way. You know? Anybody in hip hop with your background? You say oh, Bob Marley, but anybody in hip hop that you would have said, you know, I went on tour with them. Oh yeah, man. I mean, shit, anybody like yeah. anybody that we vibe with, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody who I really never met that that uh, I think would be super dope to meet would be Snoop. You know, oh yeah, just like that connection. Come on, Snoop, we got to get you on the show him too. Being the triple OG, Snoop's like, doing everything too. So he may do the show. He's doing everything from like yeah. uh, Bollywood to commercials. He's Doing American Song Contest hosting, so there's, it's not impossible for him to meet us over here. Yeah, I mean, because Snoop is definitely a legend from the LBC, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cisco's hometown, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you wasn't doing the DJing, what would you be doing? Man, would the dreads be here with, with without music and what you're doing now? What, like that's why I asked that. Yeah, question. I feel like it. I mean, in, in, yeah, I feel like so because um, at the time when I did like moved to Hawaii yeah what the big thing that I really wanted to do was it you know it sounds crazy but it was um was farming yeah you know what I'm saying because I was on ganja farming no not oh. even that like <laughs> Shit, like I basically was I was just on this thing about um oh it's like real farming yeah like just basically you know being like self-sustaining you know what I'm yeah. saying that whole Agriculture lifestyle and yeah everything. like basically I was on some shit where I was like yo you know yeah a spiritual moment it wasn't even that it was just like you know, basically thinking like, because I was just thinking of like, you know, how could I be off the grid? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And not need to worry about like going paying. to a store or something. Yeah. Like so that. I yeah. was like, yo, if, if I could just live in a place where I grow my own food, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, this like, is all making sense now because you make the best juices. If you guys don't know, yep. uh, Wes makes his juices. I'm talking about from every, we made some juices today, today that it yeah. was like kale and you know, so that's what you're talking about. Yeah. As so far imagine as, if you could just grow that. Yeah. Right. You just go in the backyard, you pick it and you got it right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So nature provides everything that we need. It's just that we get caught up in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the day to day and the systems and stuff like that. The rat race that we live in right yeah, now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not ideal or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But, it, you know, or it is ideal, but it's not practical. You know what I mean? Do you still see that being in the future? For sure. After for sure. you're done doing yeah. what we're doing? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Like, I mean, I, I would... Right now, I, I have stuff planted at the crib. You know what I mean? But it's like plants, like your actual planting in boxes and all that. It, no, it's not even. It's not. I mean, it's not just plants. It's just stuff that I would use. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you know, it's not like it's not perfect or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? But ideally, I would want to. But you know I'll, your way around the, the. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. You know yeah. your way around the kitchen. Yeah, I got a little green thumb. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I got. My, I know my way around the kitchen. Um, but that's really what it comes from. You got know what it. I'm saying? It's just like. What do you need to survive? You know yeah. what I mean? You need food and, and shelter, you know? Yeah. And so those things can be provided by just, you know, like in the islands, they was doing that for, exactly. from, from, was from forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the islands, the islands, they were basically self-sustaining. Now, is that so, how you keep your skinny physique? Because if you guys know, <laughs> this West Alpha weighs about 37 pounds soaking wet. So is that how you keep that? Because, you know, I fluctuate between my weight between like 400 and 200 pounds. I'm, I'm in the middle all the time. Yeah, how yeah. do you just stay where you're at? Because every time we go, you just, uh, you just drink juice all day, all day. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a part of it. Uh, I mean. You don't do red meat? Nope. No, See, and I haven't been on that for a while. And, you know, a lot of that, that. So, you know, basically, like. 
what was what was a, a blessing for me was you know getting exposed to a Rasta lifestyle. You know, and that's, tell us about that because that's like a Jai Rastafari lifestyle that they do only eat from the earth, right? Yeah, that's that's what it's supposed to be. You know Got what I'm it. saying? But there's no like. Um, there's no like laws, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Where yeah. it's like you got to do it this way. Yeah. From my experience, it's just like what whatever is best for you, you do that. You know. Well, speaking of food from the earth, you have to explain to our viewers what kava is, because I, I know I should know more about it than you do, but you obviously are a kava enthusiast. And wow, when we say kava, enthusiast. you guys know that 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 if you know West Africa, you know you roll synonymous with kava. So tell them what kava is, because they're going to be seeing a lot of that on the show. So that's why we might as well get it out of the way now. Kava is a is a plant that comes from the Pacific Islands. Um, all the islands grow it. Um, it's a root, right? Yeah, anywhere from Hawaii to well, I don't know about New Zealand and Tahiti, but um, I know like Samoa, has Samoa, their, Tonga, uh, the Marshall Islands, Guam, like they they all they, have their own. It's the same kava. plant, yeah. you know, but they have different names for it, and um, it's basically a plant that's been used for centuries, and it's. Uh, it's a medicinal plant. It's a it's a ceremonial plant, and Got it's it. um, you know traditional and now recreational. So now, it's how do you without doing all? How do you make it? Like, how do you make it from the root into well, the liquid form? So we don't. I mean, obviously, we don't we don't grow it. But yeah. There's farms that come from different islands, Fiji. Um, Samoa is not really as big. There is Samoa and Kaba. Yeah. Um, Tonga, Hawaii. You know, they they got basically places that grow it, got and it. then from there. You harvest the plant. You got to grow it for so many years. You harvest the plant, and then from there you take the roots. The roots is where the the magic is. You yeah. Know? So you um you can I've even seen it where where it's like wet. You yeah. Know, the roots are wet, but most of the time you dry out the roots, you grind it up into a fine powder. From there he's saying this out. now, but on one of our shows we definitely will have a live. Oh, it's coming. Film. It's supposed to be coming in a little bit. I don't know how much time. We oh, okay, got so left, we might be coming here already. Yeah. So, so when they see West Africa and they know how to get your attention, Kava is probably how to get their your attention. Man, you know, I'm gonna tell you like this. I, I've never been like I used to smoke a lot and uh <laughs> and drink here and there, but then once I once, once you found the Kava, yeah, to me it's like it's like a liquid form of weed. You know, what I'm saying it's a body high. You know, and it's you know like I said, it's a ceremonial drink, but we're not doing that. You yeah. Know what I mean, we're just we're just and a lot of people that um. You know, a lot of our friends that are, are LDS or, mm -hmm. you know, they drinking is not part of their lifestyle. But they could know? drink kava. Well, I would say some of them can or yeah. they choose to because it. it's not alcohol. You know what I mean? It's, See? And it's not So weed. if I get pulled over after a night of kava, they can't take me in for a DUI? They could, depending on how faded you are, you know. Because I mean, if you guys don't know, kava gets you faded. Yep. If you drink enough of it, you it, it gets you there. Yep. Like just like being a drunk high or a weed high, right? Yeah. I mean, you. Gotta, you said it's more like a body high, though. Yeah, it's more like. But I mean, trust me, man. I've I've gotten there. A lot of people have gotten to that point where it's like, yeah, you don't want to be driving. Exactly. You know? See the kava. They call the kava man. So yeah. before we go into my aspect of the whole thing, where do you see the Western Conference podcast platform being for what we're doing now? Well, you say that again. Where do you see the Western Conference podcast going towards? Now that we're doing what we do now with the festivals, how do you see this platform being open for every, everybody that we mess with, like the resources that we have? Well, it's, uh, I mean, <clears throat> nowadays it's like everybody got a podcast, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So why not do our, you know, explain our stories and have our guests on and, and kind of use it as a platform to promote what, what else we're doing, yeah. you know? Um, but then at the same time, you know, giving people a closer look into who we are, yeah. you know what I mean, and our personalities and how And we, I think that's what was needed. I think 
people seen us on stage but didn't know who we were. Yeah. They knew they they know us from like our social media and our Instagram presence and but you know everyone's not going to post their losses. They're not going to post they're going to post yeah. all the good stuff. Yeah. So I think it was a good platform for us to kind of say who's West Slava because you know people don't know when we do the shows I'm like in the front of the stage and Wes is still in the back but they, I want people to know who you are because you're still a big intricate part of this Dub C podcast. Yep. I mean, you know, it's funny like uh even with hip hop um DJing is always like the most important aspect, yeah. you know, like the DJ. Well, so let me backtrack, um, which a lot of people know the story. A lot of people don't. But um, hip hop was started from the format of it coming from Jamaica. Ah, right. So yes. um, in Jamaica, that's why I said what we do is kind of like a sound system thing, because in Jamaica, sound systems they have basically that. well sound systems were the ones that did the parties like the sound clashes and the yeah sounds, so yeah. dance hall was a place it wasn't necessarily a genre of music yeah. it was a place that you would go to to have a party got it with a dj playing not a band a dj yeah. would be playing but it would be a sound system so yeah. these guys would bring their whole speaker boxes they would have a it was guy. a show oh it was a show yeah it was yeah. basically what we do yeah. you know what i'm saying Absolutely. It's, so it's like we don't bring the speakers but mm -hmm. you know it's like we come and we create a vibe and we we control the whole night exactly so uh the dj would basically be the selector mm -hmm. you know the guy that's choosing the music then you would have another guy that's on the mic that's kind of interacting with every song yeah. that's coming on and then from exactly there, what we do yeah. exactly bro and um even to modern day sound systems now you have a you have a guy that's on the, the i mean some people do both but for the most part, you have a guy that's on the turntable yeah. selecting and controlling the music. You have another guy that's on the mic controlling the crowd, you know? So I look at like what we do is in the same vein. You know yeah. what I mean? It's exactly the same thing. But It definitely um, takes from that element of the sound clash and the sound systems for sure. Yeah. And uh, so at the time, you know, the guy, these guys that were on the mic, they started getting witty, you know, and just yeah. like, you know, having like kind of like rhyming on the mic. Yeah. But it was in, in Jamaica. Yeah. So basically... The guy that started hip hop in New York, Cool Herc, DJ Cool Herc, cool shout Herc. out DJ Cool Herc, OG, he's Jamaican. Yeah. And his, I think it was his uncle or somebody had a sound system in Jamaica. And Cool so, Herc kind of pulled from that. He, yeah, yeah. But he was playing more American records. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like disco and yeah. funk and stuff like that. And then that's how the, the thing got started in, in, in LA. See, I mean, that's what I'm trying to say, LA, Wes. I don't think the sound system culture or, or what we do is not respected. As it should be. Maybe I'm being biased because that's what we do. I think if you see all these shows that kind of don't have the element that we bring to a show, I feel like they're doing their, their audience a disservice. And I don't like to say that all the time, but I try to tell people we're the difference makers in a show. And I don't need to beat my own horn either, but beat, beat, but that's what we do. <laughs> so um, with that said, I know we got a little bit of time, but what are the questions you have for me so people know who I am? Um, well, I mean... See, I knew you was going to do this shit. I already, I already know. You know me. For the most me. part. But okay. for our listeners, yes, I would say... Yes, for the say, viewing audience. I would say, okay, you know what? Uh, <laughs> so how did you get started doing what you're doing? Well, you kind of Yeah, I kind of went into that, but okay. I think what we're doing now, like, I didn't want to fully go full DJ. Because, um, right. Only because, you know, when you're a DJ in a Polynesian family, you're the family DJ. You're, yep. you're, you're doing the birthday parties, you're doing the graduation, you're doing everything, so... It's not that I didn't want to do it. It's like I, I love playing music for my family. And when I did see another DJ, you know, being hired for a family event, I'd be like, ah, I probably wouldn't have did that. And that's just as a DJ now because people always get it twisted where it's like, oh, Cisco's not a real DJ. It's like I never said I was, you know, the disc jockey or turntablist. Yeah. I, I know what a vibe is. Man, you know, I'm going to say this, man. Like, 
everybody and their mama's a DJ now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not a DJ, but, I don't but know. But to, to the to, to be respectful to the DJs out there who put in the work, who did what they had to do, I came late, late to the party. But I yeah. say that if you know how to vibe and you know how to put some music together, you don't have to say, oh, well, I'm like the turntable master big no, body but Cisco. No, there's, but there's, there's so many different types of DJs. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's just anybody that, that knows music and can control music, like to yeah. me, that's a DJ. Like, And that's where I fall music. into. I fall into the vibe DJ. I, I can vibe any room. What we do, like if you're if you're booked for another show and I end up doing a show by my, myself, yeah. we can bring that same vibe to it. But it always looks better when it's me and you. Yeah. But I think that's all it's all about because now – it transitions to what we do now. It's called Twitch. You know, I wanted to get Twitch in there. Where Twitch during the pandemic is where a lot of DJs went. Um, Westafa will be there soon, but you know, yeah, when we I'll couldn't do <laughs> when we couldn't do the clubs and we couldn't do the festivals, the shows that we were doing, we had to go somewhere to kind of like still share our love for the music. Yeah. And I was doing it on Instagram Live and I was doing it on Facebook Live yeah. and we kept getting shut down. The copyright yeah, thing was yeah, like, yeah. oh, you're playing songs. So, but the vibe was there. You had all these people from across the world on your Facebook Live, on your Instagram Live. And I was like, okay, D-Nice. D-Nice was doing the quarantine, you know, mm -hmm. during when everyone had to stay home. It was D-Nice that was able to play all these songs on Instagram Live, but he wasn't getting shut down. So I was like, wait, why, why is he not getting shut down, but I'm getting shut down? Yeah. So that was just all whatever politics they had with Instagram. Then um, Twitch, which is based in San Francisco, reached out to me and was like, hey, I've, I've seen you on Instagram Live. I've seen you on Facebook Live. You should do your DJ sets on Twitch. Yeah. At this time, it's a video game um, platform. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, well, I don't really play video games like that. So, but how would I do it? So they were telling me the whole thing. And I seen Shortcut had did it. Franzen had did it. A lot of my DJ friends started to do it. We were still new to it, but we weren't getting shut down. Yeah. Then there was production value to it, where we could have a green screen. We mm -hmm. can have all these different elements into our Twitch channel. So I still do that to this day. So definitely go check us out on Twitch. Twitch.tv backslash Big Body Cisco, but shameless plug. But I think the love for the music that we have can be shared across the world because if I do all my Twitch shows, I do Love Jones on Tuesdays, I do Island Vibes on Wednesdays, Happy Hour on Thursdays. You're you're your own boss at that point. Yeah. You could play any whatever, and all the DJs go there to kind of just say, "Look, I'm going to play this music for this amount of time." Franz and shout out DJ Franz in Las Vegas. He did 365 days in a row. That's crazy. Every night he was on Twitch. But that just shows you the love of music that we wanted to share with people that we couldn't. Yeah. We was doing two years in the pandemic where, you know, now that we have the podcast thing, I was, we were podcasting before the pandemic, but now it says, you know what, all these elements and all these lessons that we've learned from what we grew up and what we've had can come full circle into the Western Conference podcast. Yeah. You do what you do, I do what I do. And we have such a big, huge resource. You know, we have a Rolodex full of people that we could talk to, from UFC fighters to football players to baseball players to all the artists that we mess with, like from J-Bug to Fiji. And I felt it, it was time for us to sit down and say, you know what, Wes? Western Conference Podcast is way overdue. Yeah. Through these episodes, this being episode one, you guys are going to learn who we are. You guys are going to learn, you know, where we came from and what we do and how we do what we do. Why I wanted to do who is Dub C on, the, on episode one was well, kind of like a reference. You know, when you have like um, cheat notes, when you have to take a test, people don't know who we are. If they watch like an episode 40 or 41, they're like, who are these dudes? Yeah. You always, what I got to tell the people that are going into podcasting and going to anything that's going to be live, people don't know who you are right off the bat. They don't know who Big Body Cisco is. They don't know who Westoff is. They're going to see us later on and be like, who are these guys? And that's why episode one could kind of be their reference to be like, oh, okay, yeah, you don't know who we are? Go check out episode one of the Western Conference Podcast. Yeah. So when I think the people now that know that we're doing this podcast are hitting my phone, hitting the DMs, and hitting all the Instagram messages, be like, dude, when can we get on the show? Yeah. So where do you see 
because not just here at Sticky Pulse, we want to be able to take this show on the road. Yep. Because we, we were talking about Cali Roots, we do this Cali Roots Festival in Monterey Memorial Day weekend, where they have artists from Ice Cube. I think a few years ago they had they had Nas, Damian Marley, and all of our friends, you know, J Bug and all that. We want to bring those interviews to you guys because I think it's going to be a different. Everyone can interview anybody, right? I think it's the way we kind of like do our interviews. People know us, you know yeah, what I mean? So. Yeah. If you guys know me too, I, I fuck around with everybody. I really don't give. Not that I'm trying to go viral or anything, but I'm most likely one of these clips are going to go viral in these whole Western Conference podcasts that you guys will probably see on social media. Yep. And speaking of social media, where could they find you, Wes? Uh, shit, everywhere, pretty much at West Afa, W E S T A F A. Um, yeah. And how'd you get that name? Uh, I know there's a story behind the name. I like to say it's a mystery. Oh, you keeping it a mystery? No, it's. <laughs> It's, no, it's, 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 it was just uh, one of my best friends. Um, I don't. I, Mine's a horrible story, so I'll, I'll tell it next. But go ahead. Yeah, my one of my best friends. He saw some movie, and the dude name was Mustafa, and he thought he reminded him of me. Ah, so, so he, Mustafa and Westafa kind of came. Yeah, together. he started calling me Westafa, and then at first I was like, okay. But he was like, he was he was like one of those homies that would just like he was a clown. Yeah, know? he was talking yeah. shit anyway. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really talking shit, but it was just like he always came up with a nickname yeah, for somebody. You for know? somebody, so yeah. That's kind of like, like I am. I was like, whatever, you know. And then uh, next thing you know, all my homies was calling me Westafa. that. Yeah, or they was just calling me Mustafa, you know. And that's crazy how, like, you can market that now. Yeah. Like, Mustafa could be, like, you know, you have your hats that you sell, your T-shirts. It's crazy how something like that, like a name that comes out of Mustafa and West, that comes about, like, big, like big body. So, that's, you know, in our rapping days when we all thought we were rappers. Yeah. Uh, my cousin, Fanga, they called him uh, Boss Breaker. And he had two Bs, so we were all rappers at the time. And he was like, oh, you can't just be Cisco. You have to have some kind of, like, you know, name. And I was like, okay, like, MC Cisco? He's like, nah, you know. So you start going through the name process. Because yeah. it has to be a BB since he was Boss Breaker. Mm. I thought it was just because I had a big body. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was like, oh, so he was like, you need to do big body because you have a big body. And I'm Boss Breaker. But wait, where did Cisco come from? So, so look, it, that's a whole other story, too, because Cisco comes. My, my, my name is Simaile Fiatangaluilutu. It's a long name. Yeah. But my uncle, who, who I was named after, he was a singer in Samoa and Hawaii. Uh -huh. And he went under the name Cisco. Okay. So, you know, I can, I can sing, too. But, but my uncle Cisco, his name was Simaile. I, I was named after him. Yeah. But his name was Cisco. So people were like, oh, because you're in San Francisco, you was named like that. Nothing to do with it. <laughs> Nothing to do with it Cisco at all. Cisco from San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so horrible, too. But Big Body Cisco came from that, and it was Big Body Cisco until this day it stuck. Okay. See, that's what I'm talking about. You guys are gonna find out all these little tidbits and all these little nuggets of information that we have for you guys. But no, it's funny. People think like my name, like, like basically they think all different kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, they think like, oh, what's the fire? It's not that serious, man. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a name. But you know what? You'd be surprised what these names can do. Like yeah. now, now it's a household name within our demographic. Well, yeah. they know who a Westafa is. They know who a Big Body Cisco is. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a story behind J-Book. I'm pretty sure there's a story behind Fiji and all the other artists that are out there. But those stories are the ones that people want to hear. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, yeah, I've kind of heard all the stories from all of our friends yeah. about how these names came about. But, yeah, it's definitely cool, you know. See, that's what I'm talking about. And that's why we have this. So, look, before we get up out of here, we want to make hold sure. Hold on, hold on. I what? ain't done. I got a couple more questions. Oh, do here. you for you me? Know? Yeah. Oh, shit. You, I was trying man. to get out of that one yeah, right away. Yeah, no, oh, what no, we got? No, no. Okay, so if you wasn't doing uh, what you're doing, what would you be doing? Man, before I was, I'm, I'm a, as you can tell already, I'm a salesman. Yep. I've been in sales all my life. So, you know, I, I could sell sand to a camera, all, all the all the isms over there. But 
Before, Before you go anything. on, let me say this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we were on tour, I think, last year or the year before, and uh, we had a show in San Francisco. <laughs> Don't see. In this part of San Francisco, right? I'm like, we were walking back and forth from the venue to the hotel. I don't know what part of San Francisco this was. He's talking was about like, the tenderloins, ladies and gentlemen. The tenderloins. Like, you know what I'm talking about? I was like, man, you know what? It all makes sense now. <laughs> I'm seeing, I'm seeing like pretty much the whole environment. See, I said, well, what's he talking about? He's talking about Market Street and right there by. But look, it's real gutter over there. So that's why when there was like human shit on the ground. I was like, oh, watch out for that shit. He's like, is that dog shit? I was like, no, that's human shit. <laughs> like somebody just plopped the quiet and just shit it on the floor. And you But it's like it. right in the mix. It's like you got a nice ass <laughs> mall right here, and then it's like straight grimy. So I said, that's oh. downtown San Francisco for you, baby. Okay, it makes sense now. Yeah. Cisco, <laughs> come, Cisco comes from this soil right here. Yeah, we went over there. He was like, oh, so now everything makes sense now. <laughs> See, that you ain't shit for that. What else you got? Um. Oh, yeah. So we need to know the story. If you guys don't know, Cisco was on uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, here we go. So, so how much time we got? We got 10 minutes left? Okay, look. I'm going to give you a quick rendition and quick story how I was on Dog the Bounty Hunter. I think I'm not supposed to talk about it, but since it's been years now, if you guys watch the show Dog the Bounty Hunter with Beth and everybody, they did an episode where they came to the Bay Area. And they were actually looking for an individual that looked similar to me. It was my brother, but it was cool. He looked similar to me. And they came to our football practice looking for him, and they had grabbed me. And this is all, we, we have cameras there, we have dog, Leland, his son was trying to grab me you know, at yeah. the time. I was about to whoop Leland's ass, but <laughs> when, I'm, when I had Leland's hand and I was pushing it away, everyone behind me, you don't see there's like 100 cops behind them, 100 uh -huh. Daily City PD. So I was like, okay, nah, I don't know, get on the ground. I was like, nah, I'm not getting on the ground. But they, what they don't show you is they came to the nightclubs where I was DJing and hosting that, mm -hmm. looking for the same person, but they had uh, drill guns against it, like shotguns and everything. Oh, damn. Like, you know, they, so they don't show any of that, but that ended up being a premiere episode for Dog the Bounty. It was a two-episode airing that you won't see now, and I can't disclose why you won't see it anymore, but mm. you will never see that episode again. But just know that people who were able to see that episode, they showed it for like two weeks. And then like everywhere I went after that, when they stopped showing it, and we're like, hey, you was on Dog the Bounty Hunter. Dang, that's I'm, crazy. I'm talking about from bouncers to... You had people from trailer parks like, hey, man, you was on Dog the Bounty Hunter. Because pretty I, much anything that <laughs> anything that goes live, you can find it somewhere. But yeah, being but this one, that, this one you won't be able to find. Uh, and that's just through a court order, which I can't speak too much about, but you won't find that episode nowhere. Oh. If you do hit me and, and we're, we're cool like that, I might send you the episode because I still got the link myself. Oh, do you? Yeah, okay. I can't send it to you either because you're going to oh, do little clips damn. and put it on there too. But yeah, shout out Dog the Bounty Hunter. Rest in peace to Beth and... You know, at yeah. that time, we wasn't really messing with them like that, but they were looking for somebody that looked, I looked like that person, my brother, mm. and uh, and then that, that I wasn't there, and then, then they aired my episode. Mm. So now I'm Dog the Bounty Hunter Famous. See, reality show time. See, there's all different facets to this whole thing with Western Conference. You're going to get the Dog the Bounty Hunter story. You're going to get Westafa and Damian Marley, but that's what we want you guys to know, that with the Western Conference podcast, you guys will definitely, we're going to hit everything from sports. Speaking of sports, before we get over, who's your favorite sports team, Wes, so people know? Lakers, baby. And football? Uh, the Rams, man. We repping L.A. all the way, through and okay. through. And I'm actually representing the Golden State Warriors and the uh, San Francisco 49ers. But ask me why I don't like the Lakers. Let's tell that story. Well, I know why you don't like the Lakers. <laughs> for our listeners out there, why don't you like the Lakers, man? So, look. I was my family was huge Showtime Laker fan. Remember, we lived in Long Beach. Yes, sir. That was a time of, of, of the Lakers, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And we lived by Silverado Park. Uh, in Long Beach, if you know um, Long Beach, you know where Silver Rock Park's at. They had a basketball camp there with James Worthy, Big Game James. Mm -hmm. 
had a nice little basketball camp. I was there, you know, all the kids were there. He was signing autographs. I was the last kid. Imagine this. I was like maybe nine, eight, nine, maybe ten. Last person in line with a basketball ready to get signed by James Worthy. He patted me on my head, first of all, like I was a dog. Patted me, was like, not right now. And then walked the fuck away. I was like, you know, ever since this day, fuck James Worthy and fuck the Lakers. This is, this is all good excuse to not be a Laker fan anymore. But if people don't know that story and people don't know the backstory with James Worthy. So to this day, James Worthy has these collectible shows that he goes signs autographs with. And I go to those shows to remind him that mm -hmm. he didn't sign my shit. I don't get anything signed. I just tell him, hey, I'm the one that you didn't sign, motherfucker. And the security <laughs> escorts me out. And then after that, I just know that I feel better to tell that motherfucker. So that, that. that was around what year? That was what, 85, 86? So you mean to tell me from, from that time all the way till the Warriors got good, you was a Warriors fan? No, because as soon as we moved to the Bay Area, I was I tore down all my Showtime Lakers stuff. Uh -huh. And remember that time we were supposed to get jumped into the gang, yeah. we moved up to the Bay Area. So as I'm in my transition of tearing all the Lakers stuff up, we're like, we got introduced to the Golden State Warriors. Hello, so we're living here now. So my brother, my dad, and everybody, they're still Laker fans to this day. But mm -hmm. I'm the only one that kind of moved to the Bay oh. Area and took to the Golden State Warriors, they were bad at that time too. Yeah. The San Francisco 49ers. Were they? But now they're good though, so shout them out. <laughs> you had to go through some tough years being a Warriors fan. Before we get up out of here, man, what shout outs you have for our first show being, this is show number one, Wes. This is gonna probably be, people always feel that this is the show that you're supposed to fail on. But I think we did pretty good for our first one. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, like a conversation, you know yeah. what I mean? A lot of the things I already knew, but for our listeners, shout out everybody that yeah. supported me and Cisco over the years. And um, anybody that, uh, that just checks for our vibe and our energy, man. You know, we got a lot of stuff in the works coming up and uh, we'll see you guys somewhere along the line. Absolutely, you know I'm telling you guys, cause we're still to this day doing what we do. Uh, we got a lot of, so now with the pandemic being over and festivals starting to come about, shows starting to come about, we're starting to get back on the road. So you'll definitely see me and Gustavo doing what we do. We have shows at Adelanto, uh, we got uh, the Cali Vibe or the Cali Roots Festival. So you'll definitely see us there, but I think this is gonna be something different and something for you guys to kind of say, hey, they do a podcast too. Yeah. And to see the people that we interview and kind of see the people that we talk to in the way we talk to them is going to be a fun podcast. So with that said, you can find us at Big Body Cisco on Instagram and at Westafa. And we're, we're currently working on a Western Conference uh, podcast Instagram right now. But I didn't know so many people had Dub C podcast as a, a user handle already. Well, we got We Are Dub C. Um, yeah, We Are Dub C. That's We Are WC for Instagram as well. Yeah. And you can also catch me on Twitch. That's twitch.tv backslash bigbodycisco. And you can see me on there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. Yep. And you, you soon, right? Yeah, I'm coming soon. Twitch family, I'm coming soon. He bullshitting over here. <laughs> but that is our time. Thank you guys once again. I'm your boy, Big Body Cisco. This is Mustafa. We are the Western Conference Podcast. Peace. Oh.